Welcome to the Member Engagement Show with Higher Logic, the podcast for association professionals looking to boost retention, gain new members, and deepen member involvement. Each episode, I'll bring on some experts, we'll talk shop about engagement, and you'll walk away with strategies proven to transform your organization. I'm Beth Arrett, an association evangelist with over 25 years experience in marketing and member engagement, and I'm so happy you're here. Now let's start the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Member Engagement Show. I'm really excited to have with me today Annie Henderson, who is the Corporate Communications Manager for ASBO International. Annie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me today, Beth. Very happy to have you here. Um, so do you want to tell the people a little bit about yourself and like, how you got to ASBO International and then kind of go a little bit into your role shift and talk about where you ended up there so far? Absolutely. So as we lovingly say at ASBO, I was born to ASBO in October of 2019. It was a cloudy day, but a sunny one in the afternoon. <laughs> um, so what, was the te- what was the temperature? <laughs> it was a mild 60 degrees. <laughs> Um, So I came on board as the marketing and communications coordinator um, and literally one week before their annual conference at National Harbor. So I was thrown into uh, the Shark Tank, very kind Shark Tank, mind you. Our our members are, are amazing people, but nonetheless, it was like a welcome to the culture of school business officials land on your feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I spent two years in that role and then was promoted to corporate marketing manager on the Corporate Alliance Partnership team. And that's been a whirlwind experience. Uh, that happened about last September, October. I did play both roles for a while. So I really full-time came on board in uh, March of this year. And so there's a bit of difference between doing, you know, the membership marketing and things like that, and then switching over to corporate marketing and almost kind of a sales role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you're doing marketing in association, you automatically think it's, it's marketing to the members because that's who your direct audience is. So when I moved over to the corporate team, the mind shift was that, okay, now I'm marketing to companies, to corporations, to big businesses. And that audience is much more vast. And so I am currently still in the process of learning how to even approach that tactics, writing style, a multitude of things and how to get them engaged with ASBO and that it's a, it's a worthy association to be engaged with because our members are so amazing. But also at the same time, what's very positive about this role is that I did come from the member marketing side. And so I know what our members are looking for. I still have that as my core principle when going out and marketing sales pitching to prospects, company prospects. Yeah, which is great because when you can translate what 
the member is looking forward to the corporate so the corporate understands how to position what they're doing and frame what they're doing. And you can also frame it for them when you're putting things out there to help them promote their products and their services. It's a huge help when you can sort of play both sides. 100%. Um, if I am working on creating a sales pitch for a software-based company that has a platform that helps school business officials with not just their budgeting, but their HR and their facility maintenance, then I'm going to reference topical items that have recently been discussed, whether it be on our community network, in our magazine, um, or trending topics I see even on social, you know, being an active social listener and using that as research basis for when I'm preparing to pitch to a company to come on board as either a partner in our corporate alliance partnership program or if they're an exhibitor and I want you know trying to look towards upselling them to being a corporate member and then up to a partner so whatever it is it's very helpful for me to already know the ins and outs of our members and that has been one of the biggest saving graces in this role shift and, and pivoting my my mindset because I can learn and I can work with people who are much more well-trained or enterprised They're, You know what I mean? They're, they're just, they've been in the business for much longer Yeah, and they can give me quality insights and I can retain that. But if I was coming in cold and not yeah. knowing anything about the membership, it would be a much harder task to try and, and sell ASVO International to a prospective company. Um, you wouldn't be able to really have that rich, meaningful discussion with the companies. So speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about the companies and kind of what you're working on and maybe the goals that you've got going on right now. Yeah. So one of the major goals that I have is filling out our Corporate Alliance Partnership Program. We have four levels of partnerships and I am working towards building that to a greater list, but I want to take it in a approach that creates nurturing. So maybe bring them in at the entry level partnership, build them up to the next level, really show them how well they can take advantage of these two partnership levels and then work towards building them up to the second highest level, um, possibly even going to the top tier level. That is one of the main tactics and strategies I have right now for building our current partnership program, but also looking at who already has somewhat of a relationship with ASBO. And that would be companies who have exhibited with us at our annual conference, but aren't corporate members. So maybe even just getting them in the door as corporate members is the first step. Or corporate members who have been a member for a super long time just have never taken that advantage of becoming more so, getting more ingrained with the Corporate Alliance Partnership Program and ASVO International as a whole, and really nurturing them up into 
the Corporate Alliance Partnership Program. Yeah, so it's kind of a multiple levels of goals there. One is, you know, like you said, getting people in the door, making them understand the value of corporate membership. And then the the next one would be, okay, who's here? How can we engage them further? What's the next step? It's it's kind of like in that respect, it's very much like membership marketing. You're just yeah. member the corp members are corporates and so they have different needs and you need to talk to them a little bit differently. But there's not a ton of difference. I mean, at the end of the day, marketing is marketing, right? That is very true. Marketing is marketing. But something I learned recently was that marketing to companies, these are very busy people and they're probably going to, let's just say, 15 annual conference exhibit halls in the course between April and October. (laughs) And so they have a slew of inquiries coming in. They're also trying to uh, inquire with other associations. So, you know, being straight to the point with them is appreciated on their end because we're not dancing around the bush. We're going right to the heart of it and getting to the point and being very clear and concise with what our ask is. And that was a really great learning moment for me because as a person who was marketing to membership, I was a little bit more fluffy. (laughs) Yeah. My marketing using association speak. I like to call it association speak. Association, yes, that's a very good term. Yes, you are using association speak. It's not I need this. It's if you don't mind in the next, you know, if you get a chance, um, maybe you could send me this if you've got a moment. Thanks. It's not I need this. It's you're not just beating around the bush. You're beating around the bush, the forest. I'm just kidding. Right. But that's not the way that I started. I started with beating around the bush when I was writing. My content was more lengthy. And that was a very big learning experience for me to realize that, oh, you're right. These are very busy people and they don't technically know ASBO like a professional association. They know ASBO as this is a platform for me to obtain my marketing goals and objectives. Um, I used to get inquiries, and we actually had a several of these at AAAE, where we were basically considered media partners. Oh, It was literally a media partner um, arrangement with other outlets and things like that. Where we, I mean, we were a platform for them to put out their message. We were not an association. And if you start thinking about it like that and approaching it like that, the, the way that you think about and approach the corporate members becomes much clearer. Uh, and it's also realizing, too, that in the association world, um, sponsorships, cor- corporate partnerships, you know, there is a, a culture that has been set around it as well. You don't want to be pushing your corporate partners or members too much onto your members because you don't want it to come off as abrasive or salesy or that you're just pushing all their products. But at the same time, you want to create an environment where corporate folks are welcomed and you are giving them this platform that they can have a voice in and not just have it be a transactional experience. And I have, while I'm still new at this, I have been finding that that is the way that 
we're trending in the association world is that we're starting to realize that corporate partners play a very important role and they're experts in their own right for certain fields that support your association's industry. Right. And they are allowed to have a platform to provide this expert knowledge, you know, take out the promotional pitch at the end, take out, you know, any type of sales, you know, leave that for other times of the year. But if you can give them a platform to provide thought leadership and content sharing that is informational in nature, you're creating a partnership that has immense value to them. And again, I'll say that this has been such a very interesting pivot for me as a professional, as a marketer, as an association professional and marketer. Uh, I am just a sponge absorbing this and I'm so intrigued and I really have been enjoying my new role immensely because of all the new ways that I can use my base knowledge as a marketer, but just shift it a little bit for a different audience. It's so much fun. I was fortunate enough to get to bounce around a little bit. Well, I bounced around a lot. I'm in marketing. It's what we do. Even before it was popular to bounce around jobs, we were doing that. So I did spend a few cents in corporate and was able to bring that back over into the association nonprofit world. And it's just, it's a different beast in some ways because of the messaging. And that's one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why messaging, being so direct when you're messaging to corporates is important is because they are used to that kind of thing. And if you're dancing around what you want from them, dancing around the ask, they get very suspicious as to whether or not you're going to be able to market on their behalf when you can't even market on your own. I think it's kind of like sending a really bad cover letter and a, a wish a so-so um, resume if you're marketing yourself. Yeah, yeah. If you can't, if I can't trust you to market yourself effectively, I'm not likely to hire you to market for me. And it's the same thing with a company because essentially you are in some respects marketing for them. They're trusting you to do that because even though we talk about it being kind of like a media partner, a lot of the times it's going to be your words that are talking about what they do and their value. And that is one of the main strategies and tactics that I've been trying to implement slowly but surely that my messaging for our partners is sound, it makes sense, it is topical for the certain time. I mean, there's always more to learn. And I, I took a really great piece of knowledge with me uh, yesterday when I had a conversation with my boss, Sabrina Soto. And, you know, she reminded me that our partners are extremely important to us, but we also have to keep in mind when we are advising them when to use their benefits, that there's certain times of the year that's going to be optimal versus just, you know, get those benefits done and, and out the door. When you take so much time and care into having that open line of communication with your partners, they see you as this, they really care about me and, you know, I'm spending wisely with them and they 
are looking out for our best interest of achieving our marketing goals. And, and, you know, it just, those little reminders are always so helpful because you have to think about the bigger picture. And that's something that I always strive for as a professional is always looking at the bigger picture um, is making sure that when our partners have a message they want to get out, is this the right time of year? Should we wait another three months? Because then they're going to be more inclined to accept this message. School business officials, it's, it's time to close school doors. School's out for the summer. And they're looking at, oh, okay, now that school's over, students are, are wrapping up the school year, I have other things that I can focus on. So, you know, they're even themselves a little disconnected right now as well. And so maybe not push out important messaging over these next two months and wait to do that uh, closer to you know, a few weeks after school starts in August and September. It's little things too, like understanding, well, okay, little things can be very big, like understanding that if you're pushing them to spend money, like if you send out a back to, say say you send out a back to school, here, spend some money with us thing on our product, they're not likely to spend it because you should have been hitting them when they were doing their budgeting back in like February. And understanding that and being able to coach them on that if they don't realize that because you know the members better, huge. That is so true. And we do, our members do have a very specific timeline for creating their budgets. I mean, actually in the last 30 to 60 days, majority of our members go to their school board to get approval for their next year's budget. So they've, they started it then back in November, December of the prior year. They're now, you come now come September, October is a great time for partners to start talking to uh, school business officials about, do you need you know, an increase in this area? Do you need a new service provider in this area? Um, are you looking to procure a new uh, marketplace of some sort? There's just always important timing references that I, as a corporate marketing manager need to keep in mind when I am trying to help our current current partners be successful in our partnership program because what that does is that helps us retain and retaining partners almost half the battle. I mean, what's the it costs 7 or 8 times more to go out and get a new member, customer, partner than it does to retain one. Wow. I think you're right. Uh, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense. I have the stat somewhere. I just can't remember if it's seven or eight. I think it's seven. You're putting forth a lot of effort, a lot of work yeah. hours. I mean, it's much easier to keep them once you got them. I kind of feel like there might be a good content piece there, actually. A content piece for partners on timelines and when it's the best time to, like, what the what the school board timeline looks like. So we've done that in the past. I actually recall when I was over on the other side. Um, we were putting before you came over to the dark side of corporate. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the dark side, but we have cookies. (laughs) Just check your browser. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, but we do. We did have a timeline for how a school business official puts together their budget uh, when they 
are in the planning stages to when they're in the procurement stages to when they're in the implementation to the approval stage. That is a good piece of content to even regenerate and revive to send out because it's always a good reminder uh, for any particular company marketer to know, am I sending out information that is timely and is it, are they going to pay attention to it because they're ready to actually make a purchase? So we've talked a little bit about what it's like shifting and what it's like promoting things and a few tactics, but before you go any further in tactics, let's just talk about the challenges that you're facing, because I think challenges sometimes impact what tactics you use. Well, I don't think they do. Challenges definitely impact what tactics you use. So what are the challenges that you have right now in getting those partners in and sort of upselling the ones who are already involved and engaging them further? So one of the biggest challenges for attracting new partners is bigger associations that are in the education world that maybe are slightly more attractive to prospects and showing them that bigger doesn't always mean better, that we have a really amazing benefits package for partners. We position them as thought leaders, industry experts, dedicated to the field of school business. But that is something that I have realized that is a challenge is companies only have so much money and to put their sponsorship dollars towards and being the association that attracts them is definitely a challenge that I am learning to overcome actively, consistently, and ongoing. So that's the first challenge. The second is I attended a webinar uh, back in February from sponsorship experts in the world of association. What I learned was that companies only give their sponsor dollars to one to two associations. So then you already have a smaller pool. And I'm like, wow, okay, that's really good information to know. So going back and looking at what our benefit package is and and how we can deliver. And I mean, it's all there. It just needs a delivery method. And that is where we can definitely talk about tactics. But that's been two of the big challenges that I have learned since coming over to the corporate team. I would say another challenge is some of our long-term exhibitors just are comfortable with exhibiting. So how do I change their minds? How do I show them that, you know, we've got this really great corporate alliance partnership program where we can help you achieve your marketing goals and give you higher brand awareness, thought leadership, advertising, access to members. All you have to do is take advantage of it. And that has been another challenge that I am working very hard to overcome with the support of my amazing team, uh, my amazing uh, corporate partnerships team at, at ASVO. And I, those are 
fairly, I don't want to say standard, but there are things you hear a lot as far as challenges go, if that is any comfort at all. You know, and it is because I'm sure there are a multitude of association marketers who are in the sponsorship world um, that are asking the same question. And and maybe if there is a pool of you guys somewhere, uh, let me know. I would love to jump in and pick your brains. (laughs) I bet we could find them. (laughs) Yes, I bet we could. I bet we could find them. I can think of a few. You know, part of what we wanted to do today on the podcast is talk through a little bit of some of the tools and tactics you can use. Well, one of the tools that I am going to start looking into a little bit more is one that we already have, and it's Informs, Higher Logic, and the Persona module within Informs. That's a great one to look at and look at engagement and kind of see where each one of those falls. I know you have IMIS, so you're able to pull in IQAs or queries that have of different levels of engagement. So you can kind of see where everybody is and what their next step is, which is fantastic. That's where I started off with corporates at AAAE. And then after that was successful, because I was doing both, I switched over and did the same thing with membership. We ended up having like 17 different levels of engagement for membership. It was nuts. Um, but it yeah. was great to see because we really had all of it right there in front of us. We could see who we needed to move up. We could automate a lot of it when people got to a certain level. Right, exactly. And so when I think about that for the corporate side of it, corporate members, and even for those who are not members, we identified one one person in a company that was, you know, making purchases on our LMS. And you know, we look look this person up in IMIS and no membership hasn't exhibited. Well, gosh, let's reach out to them. Let's let's get them invested a little bit more. Let's let them know that if they want to keep, you know, learning from our LMS, that we can offer them discounts as a member. We can get them advertising. We can get them a discount on booths at our annual conference. And so when that came around, I was like, we need to start using personas to really help build this and to identify more companies and individuals like this so that we are actually, I mean, I don't want to say low hanging fruit, but having the low hanging fruit. That's it. I mean, it really is. You know, start with the people that it's going to be easy to engage. Because then that gives you funding to help go after the funding and ROI and results that you can show to go and go after the higher fruit, so to speak. But another tactic too is recently uh, we got approval from our board to lower our corporate member dues rate. And that creates, you know, it was a barrier to entry the way that it was put to me when I first came on board, I'm like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And now that that barrier to entry has been lowered, we have a much more attractive corporate membership than ever before. Benefits haven't changed, but now- The value of them has, the ROI on it has. But the ROI on it has. And so the more corporate members we can get in, that means the more uh, that they're gonna take advantage of the discounts for advertising, which is non-dues revenue for exhibit booth sales, 
non-dues revenue. And when we start to showcase on a regular basis how we position our partners in our corporate alliance partnership program, those members are going to start to move up. We can start to nurture them upward and onward in the CAP program. And so, yeah, you can shoot for the sky. You can always go after the big fish right away. I'm thinking really long-term strategy approach after the approval of the lower rate because that that's going to provide a bigger, better partner foundation by having more corporate members in our association. That's always helpful. A AAAE, our corporate partnership, corporate, um, what we corporate member rate, corporate partnership, all those things were intentionally low. We had a corporate member, which was the main thing. You had to do that in order to be a corporate partner or anything else. But basically, corporate membership came with the partnership levels. And it was intentionally low. And that was because we wanted people to be able to take advantage of it. And they had some really great benefits, uh, things that you couldn't buy, but you could only get as a member. Access to our members and advertising opportunities to our members that only came with buy- with getting a membership. So when when I learned about that, you know, this was all spearheaded by my boss. Uh, it just made so much sense. She was just on the nose. She I mean, she's just so smart and brilliant. And uh, I have been learning so much from her. And so that's also something that's been really helpful in my pivot, kind of going backwards a little bit in topic, is having someone that is not only supportive of your ideas, but has all this amazing knowledge to share with you so that you can do your job to the fullest. I know that you recently did the PowerPoint version of sort of a prospectus instead of a full-on prospectus. I think you're still in the works with that? Actually, I finished it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I am going to be launching it here very soon. I had to do a little industry research on when the best time to send a B2B email. Nice. See, research is good. Yeah, because sending a uh, sending a member email different is a very different than sending a B two B email at certain times. So yeah, I got the I got that done, and it was going back to you know knowing that these companies are super busy right now. This is the height of the conference season, and they're away from their computers. They're on laptops. They're on their cell phones, I wanted to make sure that my mini prospectus was going to be right and to the point and not waste their their time and give them all the really great details and benefits of leveling up from an exhibitor to a conference sponsor. That is a new tactic that we have implemented this year was to reach out to our current exhibitors and pitch to them, hey, let's move you up to a conference sponsor and increase your brand awareness, your industry expert recognition among our members, your ability to be more one-on-one with members throughout the entire conference. And if that aligns with their marketing goals, then Hopefully I have swayed a few minds and it turns out to be successful. I have thought about that though. Have you considered using that perspective or if that's, you know, if you've got one that needs a little bit more information for people who aren't as familiar, 
using that PowerPoint and just spending a little bit of money on advertising and target the convention centers where those conferences where they're hanging out are happening. So I definitely have considered that and I want to move forward with pursuing that tactic. We are coming up to the start of the conference sponsor benefits timeline because it's for three months around the conference. And I've got a lot of, you know, not a lot of turnaround time, but I feel that would be a very good tactic for me to implement for increasing and even selling out exhibit booths. I, we used that to create effect at AAAE. We basically set up a, a landing page in Informs where they could go and download the PowerPoint. And once they did it, put them into a campaign. It checked to see if they were already in our database and if they'd filled out their corporate categories. This is just what we used to match them up with the right audience. Uh, we created them in there so that, you know, if they sold runway lighting, we could match them up with the lighting people. If they sold um, airport lighting, like indoor lighting, we could match them up with the right people. And then if they'd done all that, then we sent them emails sort of, you know, asking who they wanted to see so we could get a response back. And they all came from like our corporate partnership team. 73 brand new exhibitors came through that. And our exhibit hall only had about 200, 210 exhibitors, I think was the actual number. Oh, wow. So, and um, our advertising, I think, ended up costing us something like $76. Yeah. I, so, you can make a really big impact yeah. with a small budget if you're very targeted. So, because yeah. we targeted like a, within a mile radius of the convention center during the exhibit hall, I mean, during the conference hours. And then when it was dinner time, we expanded that to like a 10 mile radius, but we used a lot of other targeting to narrow it down so that we knew we were hitting the right people when they were looking at their phones. Great. So you were targeting um, a different conference, though, yeah. right? Yeah, People we were targeting that. conferences that we knew they exhibited. Because you were talking about how they're exhibiting at a bunch of different conferences, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So you go to those conferences and you say, oh, this is at you know McCormick Place in Chicago. I'm going to target within a mile of McCormick Place. I'm going to target people who have visited the uh, conference site or sites like it. And then I'm going to put other demographics in that might match up a little bit so that I know I'm narrowing it down to the right audience. And then I'm only going to pay for clicks. And what I'm going to do is, you know, advertise the fact that we have to, you know, check out all of the benefits and ROI you're going to get. And then they come click through the page and they download the PowerPoint. Then they get put into that nurturing campaign. Yeah, that is definitely something that I want to pursue doing. It, it, it's a great idea. I know that it would really help increase our exhibit booth sales, which is very important to the overall, you know, success um, of an annual conference, not just, you know, of course we want members to come and we want really great education, but we want a robust exhibit hall. That is the goal of our department is having a really robust exhibit hall. We've got, that's why there's departments that take on each part of the annual conference. There is an education department, there's an events department, you know, there's a membership department and they all have their own cornerstones of the annual conference. I did an email promo once that I basically sat down and calculated how many airports were coming to the conference. And then I calculated roughly using estimates, how much like airfare, hotel for some of them, things like that, it would cost the exhibitor to visit every one of those airports 
see them face to face and do the sales. And then I kind of put that into the, the email saying, you know, it would cost you $250,000 or whatever it was to go visit all and how like a hundred days to go visit all these people. Come see them all in one place over the space of three days for this much money. Yeah. You're putting a big value on a condensed amount of time. Yeah. So that, that is really amazing. And I, I'm sure that just was so successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, people don't think of it in that, those terms. Okay. I'm going to see this amount of people. They think of it in terms of, oh my gosh, it's going to cost me $15,000 once I, you know, pay for the booth and once I ship everything there or, you know, however much money. And they're like, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, yes. But if you pay that $15,000, you're going, it's going to take the place of what would cost you $250,000 if you tried and a hundred days, if you tried to do it without going, you know, without this, when you were talking, that's why you were talking about um, a lot of corps only give to like a couple of associations. Really? That's what they spend their money on mm. because they figure, okay, I can do this all in one or two places. Uh, but then they go exhibit at a bunch of different conferences and it's like, well, then you can afford to spend money. I do think one of the other tactics, um, and I, I, we've talked about this one before, but another really great tactic is sweeteners, offering them additional things to sweeten the deal that really don't cost you anything, like um, additional advertising space that you might have in your newsletter, or uh, we talked about this recently, offering to have some sort of a distribution of thought leadership content after the conference, either giving them their own email blast where they can send you the HTML or you can do a an email that allows people to choose what they want either by you know say you list eight things and they match up with subjects so maybe people don't get all of them so it's sort of like a story level dynamic content thing and they can click through either to the company's download page for it or you could host it for them and send them the con the contacts you could even do like take content from people and say, okay, we're going to do um, a couple of mailings afterwards to remind people of the additional content that they get with the conference and just let them go into a landing page and pick which ones they want. And then each one just puts them into a campaign that sends them the information. That was definitely something we recently talked about. And I really like that idea. And I think that is uh, going to be a tactic that we do implement. Um, we just have to, you know, work just like everything, you have to work it through. It's brand new. You got to get some buy-in and input from all the invested parties to really move it forward. And you can even, you could call that a challenge or an opportunity, but it definitely goes with the territory of, of learning the role and shifting into this new mindset of taking these opportunities where I find them because this role was not here until I came on board. Yeah. It was created. They knew they needed a need and they looked internally and it's a blank slate essentially in building out the tactics that can be used year after year. Which is so much fun, but daunting at times too because you're kind of like um it's kind of like trying to bowl. for me it's kind of like bowling without any any gutters i'm like i might hit a strike but it might be all the way at the other end of the bowling alley <laughs> <laughs> i like right. i like i have no guidelines which i love but at the same time especially if you it's a little bit better when you're familiar with the organization i came into this job which was brand new had never existed 
and it was build a marketing department. So, okay, I kind of know what I need to come in and do. And the more I did it, the more confident I was and, and able to explain to that organization, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing, which helps. But coming to this one, it was just so brand new to me and to the organization. And I was like, I know kind of what, I know what our customers need. Everything else will fall into place. And I think that the same goes for working with corporates. They need you to treat them like a member and a partner, not a bank. Absolutely. They, if they're going to put that investment towards membership, towards partnership, you need to treat them with the the value that they actually provide to the professional association, which is they have expert knowledge. They're looking to be engaged and they're looking for the support and servicing from the team members at the association. Oh, um, there's another one that I've used um, in the past. And that is, um, if, particularly if you've got a community, this is easy to do. Creating a directory of resources of people to call on if you need a quote, if you need someone to write something, some content or something like that for your blog, if you need, uh, if a reporter calls on you and they need a corporate mindset or a member, if you've got this internal directory of people that you can call on, um, almost like a, a media contact database, like if you were right, if you were a journalist, you would have a list of people that you would call on for things like that creating that internally so that you can provide those names easily, you know, who's available and what they can speak on offering to put them in that contact database and say, you know, whenever we need content, whenever we get calls from reporters and we need people, we have a, it makes us easy to respond to media and to pull from if we need stuff for our own publications, but B it's an added resource for them. It would definitely add major value to members, corporate members and partners to have something along those lines where they can be listed as an easy person of expert knowledge on a certain topic, whether it be for association purposes or for a member just seeking some type of expert database. Yeah. Expert database. That's expert what it is. Database. Thank you. Expert database. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. <laughs> that is a really great idea. And you know, with with everything um, that's a new idea, we we put it on our dream board. We, we all have dream boards in our respective departments and in the association world, as you can attest to. It is sometimes just managing the day-to-day. As much as you want to have the quiet time to think things through, write out your plan, write the content, implement it into your platforms, get it going... Sometimes those day-to-days just, wow, they they take you up until three months later, like, wow, okay, yeah. do I have time to do this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, for everybody who's listening, you know, we, we're throwing a lot of ideas out there because we're just like, you know, here's all the different tactics and tools and it might sound overwhelming, but to Annie's point, you're not going to do all of this at once. You're going to put it down on the list of things and then you're going to prioritize, okay, which ones are quick wins? which ones are easy wins, which ones are more long-term goals, which ones are pie in the sky. We want to do this, but it's way down the road, but don't lose track of them. And I recently finished our marketing plan for the cap department and it listed a lot of these tactics in there, but then I put the notation next year. 
2023. Let's get down these main things now, like the the upsell to current exhibitors to conference sponsor. That I did that now. I can improve upon it next year. It was easy to do, but now I have a baseline for it. But for maybe the expert database, that is going to have to wait until 2023. Because as most association professionals knows, when you're in the rigors of planning conference, there's like you have tunnel vision and there's just not a whole lot extra you can do outside of that. And so, yeah, take the easy stuff, do what you can. It's okay that it's not perfect from the get-go because everything can be improved upon uh, the next year when you have, you know, the next go around. Oh yeah, I remember we did this last year. Okay, let's add this to it while also adding this new tactic as well. Yes, I literally just wrote down expert database because I want to make sure I keep it on my list of tools and tactics and I don't think I had it on there. I just remembered it. So I think that that outline that you just kind of gave is a really good place to kind of wrap that up because it comes full circle and shows people, hey, we talked about the goals, the challenges, so here's how we're going to approach them and here's kind of the outline of when we're going to approach them. So I think that's probably a great place to kind of finish up, yeah? Absolutely. And when I talk about writing a plan, putting down all your big ideas, you know, put definitely put them down. But again, you don't have to implement all of them right away. You might still be learning your platforms and your, your people and your audience. So take it as you can and get the support where you need it, because that's what I'm doing as a new B2B marketer. I'm coming up with ideas. I'm bouncing them off of my boss who is very well-versed in this industry. She's giving me a guiding light. She's helping me implement what we can implement and we're calling it a building year. I mean, that makes sense. New role, you obviously would need a building year. Yeah, exactly. So you're going after the low hanging fruit and you're making a plan and seeing what works and building a foundation. So I like it. Annie, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking to you. So thank you so much for being on. I appreciate it. Well, the feeling is mutual. Thank you for inviting me on. Thanks everybody for listening. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out to us. Um, I'm assuming people can reach out to you on LinkedIn as well, Annie. Yes, they absolutely can. So you can reach out to Annie on LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn and I, we both love talking about this stuff. So, <laughs> uh, so thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast so that you get notified whenever there's a new episode. And while you're subscribing to things, check out uh, my newsletter. It comes every Tuesday. Annie's a subscriber to the newsletter, right, Annie? I am indeed. In fact, uh, because you don't send it until the evening time when I've already logged off, but I read it with my cup of coffee every Wednesday morning. Excellent. Excellent. So I tried to send it earlier, but sometimes it's a little bit late. Um, so and the nice thing about late is that it also hits the Australians. So it hits people when they can listen in the evening or read it in the evenings. And it also hits the Australians right in the morning. Uh, I do try very hard to put together news from multiple worlds, B2B and association, and sort of tie it together how all that works. So hopefully it's helpful. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.